Today we're starting in Acts 2 from verse 22. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, is speaking to a crowd of people who have gathered. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead and you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is God's word. So good evening, six o'clock family. I am so excited to be speaking here today. And like Stephen said, my name is Nemi, if I have not had the privilege and the honor of meeting you. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. But so I'd like to start with a little fun fact about myself. As a child growing up in Nigeria, I wasn't scared of many things. I was okay with bugs and spiders and creepy crawlies. But two things really, really scared me. One of them was Willy Willy, and the second was the Holy Ghost. And I know you're probably thinking, what on earth is Willy Willy? Well, Willy Willy is Africa's first vampire. Yes, we had a vampire. And it was just this man with white face paint and really, really scary. Please Google at your own risk. It is some really, really gory stuff. 
And the second thing I was really petrified of growing up was the Holy Ghost. First of all, because it was a ghost. And second of all, we'd go to these revival meetings as kids, and when the Holy Ghost came, people would scream and shout and quake. So I thought, gosh, this is some really scary stuff. So my prayer used to be, God, please do not let the Holy Ghost come on me. And I'll pray this over and over and over again. Well, today feels like a full circle moment because I'm here to try to convince you to pray for the Holy Ghost to come on you and set you on fire. So we are currently in a series from the book of Acts titled, A Church on Fire. Last week, Emily brilliantly spoke on the first part of of Acts 2, and today I'll be continuing from verses 22 to 47, which Stephen brilliantly read. So here's a quick summary. This is what is happening here. It's been 10 days since Jesus ascended up to heaven, and before he left, he told his disciples to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit, which will empower them to be witnesses to Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. So they gathered in the upper room, and there was this sound of rushing wind, and tongues of fire rest on their heads, and they start speaking in different languages. Now, it was a major festival in Jerusalem at that time, and so many people gathered, and they heard the disciples speaking their languages. And some way, somehow, they came to the conclusion that they were drunk. So Peter gets up and tells this crowd that, no, 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 they're not drunk, but rather they're filled with the Holy Spirit, as was prophesied by the prophet Joel, when he said God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. So today we pick up from verse 22. Now, after Peter explained that this thing that was happening, this strange occurrence of 120 people speaking different, you know, different, long, different tongues was a fulfillment of prophecy, Peter doesn't hold back. He gives this incredible commentary on the life of Jesus not just as his rabbi or his friend, but as the Lord and the Messiah. He tells him about this beautiful plan of God from the beginning and how Jesus' life, burial, resurrection, exaltation was a fulfillment of this great plan that God had. And then he told him that Jesus was the only way they could be saved and receive salvation. The Bible says after this, like Stephen read, they were caught to the heart and they asked him, what shall we do then to be saved? And he said, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This message was so impactful that 3,000 people got saved that day and the church was birthed. Now, this was a destiny moment for Peter, a fulfillment of what Jesus said when he said, on this rock, I will build my church. So today, I want to talk to you about a man on fire and what it means to be a man or woman on fire. And by man on fire, I don't mean the Denzel Washington movie, but I mean Simon Peter, the man that yielded himself to the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and allowed himself to be set ablaze, to be set on fire, and to be a catalyst for the birth of the church. I believe that a church on fire is made up of flammable people and individuals surrendered to the plans and the purposes of God on the earth and empowered by the Holy Spirit to step into this this plan and step into their calling. People that are ready and willing to to be ignited and to illuminate the darkness in the world by being a witness for Jesus Christ. 
You see, in reading and preparing um, this text for this talk, I had many ideas and so many things I wanted to say, but I felt like the Holy Spirit highlighted Peter to me and his, his transformation by the power of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. You see, Peter goes from denying Jesus to amplifying Jesus publicly. He goes from an illiterate fisherman to an erudite speaker knowledgeable about the word of God, the prophecy, the Psalms. He went from fearful to fearless and boldly preached in power and authority to the same people that crucified Jesus. I don't think I'm there yet. What a difference a day makes. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I've been thinking of what would happen or what would have happened if Peter did not get up to speak that day. The Holy Spirit moved and it was a beautiful sign and wonder and people were speaking in tongues, it was great. What if Peter just didn't say anything? These people heard people glorifying God in their own languages and their conclusion was that they were drunk. It was until Peter got up and actually explained what was going on, explained the gospel of Christ that they were actually caught to their heart and repented and joined the church. I believe the Holy Spirit is always looking for flammable people to walk through. So how do we become flammable and how do we, stay, do we stay flammable? I believe it's not by wearing polyester, but by being yielded and obeying the Holy Spirit. You see, contrary to my fear that the Holy Spirit will pounce on me as a little child and throw me around in those revival meetings, the Spirit of God is not an oppressive spirit. He will not force himself on you. He will not force his will on you. In fact, the opposite is the case, as he only moves on surrendered hearts and requires obedience on your part. In our day, we've heard about all the outpourings in different parts of the world, and we hear that, yes, God is doing incredible, the Holy Spirit has been poured out and he's doing, God is doing incredible things. And these things are very impactful and encouraging for me as a Christian, and I love them, but I often wondered if they're meant to impact more than just the church. I wonder if these outpourings are not just signs and wonders, but are meant to be catalysts, are meant to be fire starters that cause us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and go out to the world and be bold witnesses like Peter, to stand up and speak the gospel of Jesus. I wonder. I wonder what a church on fire would look like if there was no one on the sidelines and if everyone was set ablaze, set on fire, and went about igniting everyone in their sphere of influence. How much impact would we make in the world? How far would we get at fulfilling the Great Commission? Yieldedness and obedience is often required after an encounter. And without this yieldedness and obedience to the Holy Spirit, there will be no, there'll be no, there'll be no lasting fruit. Encounters will just give us warm, fuzzy feels, shakes and quakes, and the likes. But there will be no real lasting fruit that can change the world. So there are three points that I would just like to touch on and share my thoughts on from this scripture. And the first is that when the Holy Spirit comes, it amplifies Jesus. You see, when Peter is filled with the Spirit, he does not draw attention to himself or to the sign and wonder that was happening there. Instead, he draws attention to Jesus. 
he amplifies Jesus. He tells them of the humanity of Jesus. He calls him a Nazarene. He talks about his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his exaltation, and his divinity. He was talking to a Jewish crowd. So when he spoke, he started with a prophecy from the prophet Joel, because he knew this was something the Jews would get. And then he also explained from the book of Psalms, the Holy Spirit will always tailor your message to the sphere that he's called you to. And no matter what he says, it will always point to Jesus. The second point is that the Holy Spirit will help you overcome fear. You see, I find it really hard to believe that I'm able to stand in front of you today and, and preach and speak. I used to be so terrified of public speaking. And honestly, I still am. I'm just, just shaking down there. Um, I remember this one time I was in primary one for Nigerians. I was around five or six years old. And the teacher called me up to speak in front of the class. I was so nervous and so terrified that I literally wet myself. But thanks to the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God today, I can tell you that I'm dry. Um, on, a, on, a, on a serious note, the Holy Spirit gives you the confidence and the ability to step into your calling and do all that God has called you to do. You see, before the Pentecost, we see Peter and the disciples hiding and being generally fearful. But after the encounter with the Holy Spirit, we see this visible change, this boldness in Peter. He speaks to people, the same people I said earlier that cried for Jesus to be crucified with incredible boldness. He preached the gospel to them, and they repented, and they were added to their numbers, and he fellowshiped with them. I still don't think I'm there yet, but whenever I hear testimonies from the persecuted church in Nigeria, I'm always amazed. A lady called Rose Tagwe said this after the Fulani tribesmen murdered her husband. She said this, responding to the loss of her husband, in quote, nothing will stop the gospel of Christ. My prayer is that his killers will get to know the Jesus I know. And I do forgive them, and I pray that the Lord saves your soul. Wow. Another man, Bishop Kwashi, an Anglican bishop from the city of Jos, Nigeria, who has seen so much death in his parish that, from the Boko Haram, that he actually lives with 54 orphans in his home. He said this, the fear of persecution is gone. The tyranny of death has been defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ. And by his resurrection, he has assured us that we must live the life of Christ. You see, this fearlessness in the face of danger is not normal. This is not normal. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes in you, he doesn't just give you power for signs and wonders. He also strengthens you. He gives you courage. He makes you fearless to do all that he's called you to do and to go wherever he's called you to go. And finally, this is one of my favorite, the Holy Spirit is for you. You see, Pentecost was a remarkable event when the Holy Spirit descended like tongues of fire. But here's the amazing thing. The Holy Spirit landed on everyone. There were no lotteries, there was no discrimination, male, female, slave, free, everyone. It didn't matter. And Peter made it clear in his preach that the promise of the Holy Spirit was for them and their children. It's for everyone. The Holy Spirit knows no limits or restrictions, 
And this is such a beautiful truth that we can hold on to, that if we desire him, he's there for us. He's willing and ready and able to change our lives. Now, in conclusion, I was just thinking about this, you know, yesterday, that the church won't be a church on fire if we all sit in the sidelines. The church will only have global impact if we all individually and collectively step into our calling. And we're empowered by the Holy Spirit in and out of the four walls of the church. I was in bed last night and I was thinking, what if our very own Simon Ponsonby decided to remain a butcher after encountering the Holy Spirit? I mean, it was not by force. He made the decision to obey God and yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Think of all the lives he's impacted over the last, you know, over 25 years through his books, his preaching, his ministry, his podcast. Or if our Mark Brickman stayed as a theater director. I mean, the theater industry will be blessed by his, by his skill, but think of all the people he's impacted over the years through his ministry. We wouldn't have good ground. We wouldn't have break ground discipleship programs that help believers grow and thrive. Or if our rector, Stephen Foster, was still a criminal barrister, think of all the criminals that'll be out and about causing <laughs> havoc <laughs> because he was great at his job. <laughs> but on a serious note, think of all the impact Stephen has had through Alpha leading our church, his devotionals. These are modern day men on fire. Why? Because they did not just stop at an encounter with the Holy Spirit. They stepped into the unknown. They faced their fears. They overcame in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I believe God is calling you to be a man or a woman on fire today. You don't need to be a pastor or to work at a church to be a man or a woman on fire. You just need to have a yielded heart and be flammable, willing and open for the Holy Spirit to work through you. You always need the Holy Spirit in all that God calls you to do because God always put things on your mind, on your heart that are way above and beyond you. And he always sends you to places and spaces that are beyond your power and ability because when he designed his plan for your life, he always factored in the power of the Holy Spirit helping you. You see, I was reminded of Moses um, knowing he was made for more, but he ended up killing the Egyptian and ended up in the wilderness for 40 plus years or 40 years because he tried to do it in his own strength. It wasn't until his encounter with the fire of God as the burning bush that he understood his purpose and he was now empowered to step into it. You see, the Holy Spirit has the power to make a real difference in your life if you let him. You see, he can help you understand Jesus. The Bible said when the Spirit comes, he'll reveal all truths to you. He can help you fulfill the calling of God in your life in or out of the church. He can give you the boldness to be a witness for Jesus like he did for Peter. He can help you to overcome your weaknesses and fears. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter. And he can bring you comfort in the deepest, darkest seasons. 
He can lead you to all truth. And if you're confused, he can bring clarity. And he can, he can speak truth where the enemy has lied to you about who you are and how God sees you. You see, I see the Holy Spirit as an expression of God that interfaces with our reality. And I'm just like, what an incredible gift to have him dwell in us and strengthen us and reveal Jesus in us. You know the scripture where Jesus said, it's good that I go, because if I go, I'll send the spirit. I always struggled with that scripture, because I'm like, you know what, Jesus, actually, I think I'd rather have you. But actually, Jesus being on earth was limited by time and space. But with the Holy Spirit, he can be with us all the time. And we can go everywhere with the power of God in us. You see, this week, in conclusion, I'm saying that again, I had a really rude awakening. I realized that I always kind of looked down on the Apostle Peter. I always read the Bible, giving Peter this bombastic side eye. I mean, I made fun of him in my talk last year. I like this couch player who felt like he fumbled the ball so many times. He said the wrong things. He slept when he should have been praying. He denied Jesus. He slashed someone's ear. He went back to fishing. I mean, reckless, dramatic behavior. And this week, while prepping for the talk, I was just like, oh my goodness. I am Peter, and I, had, <laughs> and I had flashbacks of all my crazy behavior. Recently, I was going through a hard time, and I remember just praying. I said, God, you know what you said about Job? Have you seen my servant Job is righteous? I said, God, please do not use me as an example. I will disgrace you. I will deny you three times. I, I really prayed that prayer. And also remember times I went to the prayer room, 24-7 prayer, to pray with my friends overnight, and we just put on some worship music and sleep through the night like Peter, and I also remember times that I would just like read about child trafficking and go to bed praying, Lord, please send an asteroid and destroy the earth. I mean, just reckless, reckless stuff. Don't judge me, please. Like I said, crazy behavior. But like Peter, you see, I know Jesus, and I've seen his power firsthand. I know him as my Lord. But the question is, am I yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit? Am I stepping into all that God has called me to do? Or am I just enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit in worship and in church? You see, this is not wrong, but the question is, am I allowing him to transform me and amplify Jesus in my life? Let me flip this. Maybe you're born again here and you know Jesus and you've walked with him all your life. My question for you today is, are you yielding in obedience to the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you stepping into all that he's called you to do? Or are you allowing fear to paralyze you? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to amplify Jesus in your life? Or maybe like Moses, you've tried to have a go at it in your own strength, and now you're in a difficult place. You need the Holy Spirit. We all need more of the Holy Spirit. Amen.